And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Well, it's that time again. Financial Fitness Friday, The Real Investment Show. I'm Rich Rosso, certified financial planner here with Danny Ratliff. In his basement bunker, he pushed uh, Mike out of his chair, and we have two people now in bunkers. I want a bunker, too. You have a bunker. No, you do not. Yes, I do. You have a bunker at your kitchen table. (laughs) You live in a bunker. What are you talking about? I'm thinking of putting in a moat. (laughs) Trying to get him getting priced. On a moat right now. We so appreciate oh, you. Lance, uh, yeah. Lance has got to come over. Oh man, you know Lance has got one. Speaking of Lance, you know uh, Brent is trying to tame the wildcats around here. Has an alarm on his phone. That is, what is that alarm? It's a klaxon. Yeah, and it, it's very comforting to me. Actually, I can fall asleep to the klaxon. But he's got the red one alert, the first alert, and that's because Lance is ignoring it. And then there's the second alert to get Lance in here because he's on Twitter. You know, the, the saddest news of yesterday was that Twitter beat its numbers. I was in a depression for like three hours. So we're in the, uh, I don't like you, Jack Dorsey. Don't like you at all. Um, we um, have this good and plenty market. So when I was a kid, we had these candies. They were repulsive. I hated them. But they were good and plenty candies. And I don't know who ate these things. And I ate everything that was fake and full of preservatives, Danny, right? So they were in pink and black. But the commercial was always this little, this little dude in a rail, in his little uh, locomotive. Chugga, 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 chugga. So this is the go. This market is chugging along. The good is, are the technicals. The plenty is the Fed, right? So that little blip we had earlier this week is nothing but a memory as Dow futures are up 155 NASDAQ futures up seems like earnings are coming in above the uh, uh, <clears throat> fake expectations and how we jump hurdles obviously margins are good and here's the reason Danny I want to see what you think about this it's pricing power right companies have not had for years most companies pricing power they weren't able to raise prices. Uh, you know, Apple possibly an exception to that. But for the most part, if I were Procter & Gamble, Kimberly Clark, Chipotle, Unilever, you know, I really had a tough time. Matter of fact, after the financial crisis, I'll never forget how Procter & Gamble had a scramble because Tide was too expensive. This is no longer the case. So right now, with, a, let's say, a selection of the population that has cash, most people live paycheck to paycheck, uh, and willing to spend it, and very price insensitive, Danny, these companies are raising prices, and uh, they, everybody seems to be okay with it. So right now, technically, markets look strong. We do expect to have pullback here in the future, but again, 
they don't seem to last very long. The good and plenty market. There's your idea, Lance, for a new blog post. The good and plenty market. And don't ever buy me those candies, whatever you do. Go ahead, Danny. Rich, how far can it be pushed, right? So Unilever comes out yesterday, says they're joining the ranks of increasing prices. You know, they own L'Oreal, Dove, um, Axe, Body Wash, mm. lots of shampoos, lots of different very staples. Things that people are, yep. Yeah, people that are very, you're very used to buying their products. You probably don't even know it. And so just like Procter & Gamble, J&J, some of these other companies as well. Mm-hmm. And so they followed in line. They'd already actually increased prices this year by 1.6%, Rich. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually going to do another price increase. You know, I'm talking to, you know, we're on the front lines. And so we're talking to people on a daily basis. And everybody resoundingly saying, look, there is some inflation. I go to the grocery store. Things are more expensive. That's right. And like you and I have discussed, everybody's inflation is a tad bit different over time. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, it's really interesting to watch and kind of see how this plays out, especially in light of, you know, we get we get the numbers for jobs yesterday. They weren't all that great. No. Um, so I started I got down a rabbit hole, Rich, and looking at all the different comments and people saying, you know, about really specifically with jobs and how inflation's working with that. Right. And it's really rather interesting. People are saying, well, the Fed has created an environment and where they're allowing people to to, you know, be not to, to have options, right, that we historically have not had. And so it's it's kind of that interesting dynamic to watch and see where people are waiting. They're saying, and, and, you know, what most people are saying, well, nobody wants to work in some dead-end job for $10 an hour. Well, most of those jobs, like we've discussed, are not there for somebody, you know, that, that's not your forever job, generally speaking. Usually it's a stepping stone. Right. And it's going to well, be very interesting be. to watch how these two are tied together, right? And the interesting thing is that the Fed has given people options. They've given people the options to not work. Those options are diminishing very quickly, though, as we're seeing unemployment benefits by many states subside. People are, you know, they're not, you know, people are looking at the big picture saying small businesses are hurting. We have one fact faction saying we need small businesses to increase their hourly wages. And then you have the other faction saying, you know, hey, you know, get to work. And, I, you know, there's probably something in the middle but it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen because if that happens, we will see more inflation. If nobody's going to come to work at $15 an hour or whatever it may be, they're going to have to continue to increase that. What do you think, though, about all of these incentives that they're providing? I mean, it's much cheaper than actually increasing hourly wages. Well, um, the president uh, is – or the people behind him are very smart because they are pushing passive-aggressively – Businesses to raise price, uh, raise wages by competing. The government is now competing with the private sector for jobs. Uh, they're saying, we have an unlimited budget. We can print our own money. You're a yeah, small you business. Don't. You can. So guess who's going to win this fight if you keep pushing? So yeah, pay more. Meanwhile, obviously, that's very tone deaf for many small businesses, listen, like us, right? What would we do without the great people we have, our team? What would we do? We have to pay them. They're qualified. We have a very diverse workforce. We love them all. They're family to us. They they deserve what they get. Um, And you and I and all the other planners and Lance and everybody, we couldn't do our jobs without people like this. Even Brent, what is what is? Kraken or whatever it is, the Kraken he releases, right? So the thing is, yes, 
I, I, and I thought about it last night now, how the government, the public sector is competing with the private sector to raise wages. It's a, it's a sort of a slippery slope. Now there's going to be a new aid that's planned for mortgage borrowers that add a foreclosure risk as some of these incentives. So they're going to look to the administration to reduce mortgage payments by up to 25% with those with federally backed mortgages. So the fiscal stimulus, obviously, market smart knows it's not going away. And it well, filters it, into it, the markets, as we see, right? But that was an interesting thought you had there in the sense of, um, you know, the, the government can continue to raise these prices because they have the they have the pricing power that we that small businesses don't so now imagine you get hit with a double whammy rich now you're actually going to oh you have to increase how much you pay people yep and i'm not saying our business in general i'm just saying business overall yeah we get back yeah they print their own currency we don't in our households stay tuned for our next segment we got a lot to talk about Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Declare your financial independence. Our next candid coffee can liberate you from the stale rules touted by mainstream financial media. Know the enemies of your wealth and fight them on your terms. We'll arm you with the information you need at our next candid coffee with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Saturday, July 24th. Register now at realinvestment.com. The Financial Independence Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Everybody get up! I hate when I have really good material and Lance isn't trolling us on YouTube. It really bothers me. It's, uh, you know, I expect him to be there. You know, he's like our little Jack Dorsey poking everybody without that, you know, beard and bald head looking like Manson. Um, So tomorrow, tomorrow, we have our financial independence candid coffee. Now, I will tell you, I, Danny, I know you went through the deck, but I will tell you this one I think is going to be my favorite because it's like all the rules that we follow, we help people to follow, to be helped to become financially independent, safe, less vulnerable. Um, I think that if you want to sit in on this, a lot of you are doing what is in this presentation. But what I really think the benefit of this is if you have grandkids – that you can get a rifle out of bed. Kids that would watch this. Uh, the rules, I will not say they're easy. They're doable. And over time, they are going to be immensely, immensely um, beneficial to your overall net worth. So I'm really excited about this. If people would look to sign up for our Candid Coffee tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Um, go to Real Investment Advice. Sign in. We take your questions. Danny is rolling through that. Nikki on our team, we're, we're always in there engaging. 
with everybody. We love it, and we appreciate you being out. We've got a pretty good turnout for it, but obviously this is over Zoom, so we would love for you to uh, to be there, right? Absolutely. If you have any questions, go, go to realinvestmentadvice.com. You can send them in there. Uh, if you do register, Nikki will send you a link to send questions. You can always go in. Speaking of questions, we do take them live during the show. So go to YouTube. Go to The Real Investment Show. Um, you know, if you're driving, obviously, probably not the best thing to do. And by the way, Rich, uh, Lance is there waiting for you to mess up. Oh. So, you know. Well, so what are we he waiting will for? be. But, he's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's our greatest supporter. Like, and Lance does have some high-quality charts he's, he's bragging about. So you do need to attend. Well, yeah, there were no charts in this financial independence, but yes, Lance is the chart man. No one can beat him when it comes to trolling and charting. So he's good at both. He's good at a lot of things. Um, so, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. How you doing on Twitter today, Lance? You doing all right? Um, so, a couple of things. Medicare premiums. Too early to talk about what Part B is going to look like uh, for 2022. We'll know around October, November. But there are some guesses. The 2021 premium was artificially reduced due to COVID relief bill. So if you understand Part B that you pay $148.50 a month, right? Now, if we didn't have the cap, because of COVID, it would have been 160 bucks and 20 cents. Now, Part B expenses are expected to rise by roughly 5%. This could boost your Part B premium up to 13.5%. So you're looking at 100, possibly $168, Danny. So on one side, if you get your Medicare Part B taken from your Social Security, Part B right? Social Security was supposed to get one of the best colas we've seen since Brent had hair, right? The, one of the best cost of living adjustments, like he had an Elvis mane the last time. I had a mullet. You, yeah. By the last time, Social Security had a cost of living adjustment of 6.1%. But obviously, Danny, if Medicare Part B premiums go up by 13 and a half, well, there goes my cost of living adjustment sucked up by the Part B premium. So there you go. We, we, we yeah, try that, to keep track of all this, but go ahead, Danny. Good. Huh? That cola is not going to feel near as good. It looks good on paper right now, but when you start taking those premiums out, um, you know, it could be a big surprise for many. <laughs> it's very tough for seniors to get ahead, right? Um, there's, a, there's a Kaiser Foundation, and we, we track inflation, okay? We track inflation by goals, and we're, I'm very curious to see what medical inflation looks like over the next two to five years, only because we had people that delayed procedures, didn't go to the doctor because of COVID, that are now going to do this. And that is going to eventually in, you know, impact not only healthcare costs above and beyond Medicare, but Medicare obviously as well. We're tracking inflation now um, based on around 5 to 7%, depending upon the goal. So we're watching that very, very carefully. Um, 
the whole goal of when you do a plan, especially through the turbulence and trends that we do not know are going to, going to occur because of the pandemic, that you adjust your inflation expectations accordingly. Now, we have tracked it through, as Danny says, inflation is very personal to your household. Danny's inflation with children is going to be very different than, say, a 70-year-old who's retired and maybe has higher health care costs, right? So it is personal, even though the government looks at this CPI-U, which is very for urban-based workers, and it, it's a mismatch. The Atlanta Fed does a great job with tracking inflation, along with the Kaiser Foundation. We do a lot of research behind the scenes, academically based, to put in the right numbers into your plan so that we are giving you the most realistic information. It's just like anything else, Danny, right? Financial planning programs, they come out of the box, they're pre-programmed, and most I, I think most brokers are going to just use whatever's pre-programmed. They're not going to go behind and adjust numbers, adjust forward returns for asset classes, and to give people the most realistic numbers possible. So we're just trying to prepare you for Medicare spending, uh, what it's going to look like for pent-up healthcare services, the consumption of healthcare services going forward. We might have to adjust those numbers um, very, very differently. So it's something that we're watching very closely. Um, anything to say about the happy inflation there, uh, Danny? No, I think it's one of the things that you have to be flexible with. You know, everybody's been waiting for it to show up in the market, um, not just, you know, your wallets. And we know it's in, it's hitting your pocketbook for certain. But, you know, it's one of those deals where if we look at the numbers, gathering it year over year makes a big difference as far as what we're going to see. And you have to be really nimble from an investment standpoint. You know, it's it's one of those deals where the Fed has pushed up some of the different investment ideas. Like you look at tips, which I would generally speaking, mm -hmm. uh, if we see inflation should do very well. And they have. But the Fed's been purchasing a lot of them. So that distorts the market to some extent, which could continue. And so, you know, we get a lot of questions about inflation. And while I'm seeing it here, but, you know, are, are you positioned for it? And in fact, if you've been more positioned for, uh, you know, on the bond side as of recent, which would typically be hit fairly hard by the, the inflation perspective, you actually benefited since about March with rates declining. Um, but, yeah. you know, I think that's going to ebb and flow. Well, it is. But, you know, what concerning is when you go to the Atlanta Fed that does some incredible research on CPI and it looks at what we call the sticky um, CPI, you know, that inflation that stays around, you know, that is spiking right now. I think it's about three and a half, four percent. That'll settle back a bit. But sticky prices, it's not just it's not wages. It's more of the stuff that you're buying every day. And we hear it every, we do hear it. I mean, I keep track of it when I go to the store and I look at, wow, that's really, that really has gone up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so yes, there's a segment of the population that had nothing to do during the pandemic as far as, and they accumulated a lot of cash. And then there's another segment of the population that got stimulus. They may have saved some of it and that's waning. And I dare to say there's going to be more coming. I may be wrong, but I don't think I am on the fiscal side. The one thing I always worry about is how the, if the Fed is going to be behind the curve, how quick are they going to have to move? How quick will they move? How quick will they adjust their narrative? How quick will the market get that the Fed's going to have to move? And that's, I think, a prime catalyst for driving markets lower. We don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but that 
inflation transitory story, I'm not buying the whole thing. I'm buying it for Correct. some things. But when Unilever, as you brought up, raises, has the ability, I don't remember when a company has come out in such a short period of time, a consumer goods company, and raised prices twice. I don't remember that. Right? That's a pretty bold step. When you said, we did it once, we're going to do it again. And then, you know, the CEO, Kimberly Clark's going, huh, huh. If Unilever did it, we can do it. Right? So once that happens, two things happen. One, even if you become a little more price sensitive, um, these companies are not going to cut the price. They may shrink the package, right? I mean, my cereal box is not as big as it was. It used to be the size of like two of my heads put together when I was packing them out on the shelves as a kid. Remember those big cereal boxes? Yeah. Right? My grandmother would complain like they would take up all the space on the shelf. I'm like, Grandma, today you could have like about 100 boxes up there and you'd still have room. So the, this inflation that you're paying for the stuff that we need every day, I don't think it retraces, Danny. Maybe gasoline does, right? Obviously, lumber, the supply chain disruption stuff, absolutely. But you can't say that all inflation is going to be transitory. I think it's a dumb, I think it's a dumb statement, and the market's you know willing to drink that Kool Aid. Um, I think it's somewhere in between, right? It, it is, and and that's the thing is it is somewhere in between because gasoline prices those are always going to ebb and flow. We see. You know, the supply chain disruptions, those are things that are coming down. Look at lumber. It's pre-pandemic levels again. But we're not seeing that quite yet in the store because all the stores bought it at these higher levels. So they're going to still continue to pass that on. So I looked up. It's National Vanilla Ice Cream Day, Rich. And, you know, huh? Unilever owns Ben & Jerry. So are you a Ben & Jerry or a Bluebell guy? <coughs> Bluebell. Bluebell all the way. Okay, we'll be right sure. back. Next segment, we'll be eating Bluebell. Be right back. Listening to the Real Investment Show. Declare your financial independence. Our next candid coffee can liberate you from the stale rules touted by mainstream financial media. Know the enemies of your wealth and fight them on your terms. We'll arm you with the information you need at our next candid coffee with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff, Saturday, July 24th. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The financial independence candid coffee with Ratliff. And Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Listen on YouTube, my Nana. All right. My Nana can like make a chicken last two months, maybe three during the 70s, like when it costs more to like today you could buy a car for what you bought a chicken for. Right, because it was in the sauce, and and then it's in the salad, and then it's in the this and the that. It's I never seen people from that can make food last. <laughs> what would she say about inflation, though, Rich? 
Mamma mia, with this inflation, the tomatoes are through the roof. Um, so that's how she would do it. Really. Um, she would get, yeah, no, she would get angry over stuff like that. So she grew everything in the backyard. So, um, which was very cool, by the way. Except once when I walked into the house and there was like a goat head on the, on the kitchen table. And that was going to be for dinner. I'm like, not my dinner, Grandma. Not my dinner. Nope. My goats will wear pajamas, Nana. They will not be food. Um, so again, tomorrow, financial independence. Very important. Um, we cover so many rules. And again, it's really enjoyable. We hope you can sit in tomorrow um, on financial independence. Um, it's... Uh, so, Danny, I'm looking for a house, right? So, as you know, and I've been just investigating, I'm going to look at a house Sunday. Not, well, sort of not close to you, but not far from you in Grogan's because I like all the old school homes, right? Mm-hmm. But I had to make sure I followed my rules about how much of a mortgage, how much of a payment, and if it doesn't work, I'm not, I'm not going to buy. In other words, the yep. rules that we're putting together are designed to make sure you have financial room to breathe flexibility. If something goes wrong, you have a cushion. These are things that we talk about. But one of the best lessons I've learned about money um, as I do my reading is the book Happy Money. It's, it's a book. It's, it's a few years old now. But the book is The Science of Smarter Spending. It's by um, Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Noonan. And I will tell you, they talk about how to buy happiness. And the book sticks with me because they give you several examples of what you need to have happy money. And the one thing, and, and there are so many studies about this. I just read another study about purchasing experiences over crap and junk, right? Spending on experiences edge out, edges out purchasing stuff. And it creates these connections, lifetime feel-good moments. Like you relive, you relive these memories always, Right? Forever, the novelty of a new purchase, after six months, you don't care, right? The dog barfs up worms on the backseat of your car. You had been upset the first month. You maybe not now, right? So there is research to show it's not the newest iPhone that's going to make you happy. Maybe taking some photos if you made a trip. So that, don't you think that maybe an experience... I mean, from yours, like with the kids and all that, is definitely makes your money go a longer way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you get so much more bang for your buck. I mean, especially with kids, you see how they'll they'll go through toys or items and, you know, they get one thing, then they want the next. And so the experiences, though, I, I find that even our kids mature with each experience that they encounter. Right. Yeah. And it's it's a really it, that's kind of a fulfilling thing as a parent to see them grow and uh you know, it's like this summer for us, obviously, I'm not very mobile at the moment, so we're not doing a whole lot. Uh, we're kind of missing out on that. So I'm, I'm anxious to be able to get back into that where I think you can see them thrive. And so those experiences, though, and, you know, you and I have talked about this over the last several years that this generation, you know, that's coming up right now seem to favor more experiences than those material items. And, yes. you know, we've seen that in some of the numbers. You know, now the pandemic, I think, has shifted some of their thinking where, you know, at first there's a big urbanization push. Everybody wanted to live in, you know, smaller places, but walk to many different experiences, do lots of different things. We are seeing a lot of those those people, I, I want almost said kids, gosh, I'm getting old, um, who 
we're, are moving back out to the suburbs. They are going and, you know, there there is that, you know, for a while it seems like that supply and demand in the suburbs was, you know, the supply was there, the demand wasn't. Now it's the complete opposite. Uh, um, so yeah. we've seen that shift, right? And more of a realization that they want experiences like Gen Z, Gen X. They're not going to do, I don't even count you in any of this because you're like, you're like, you're like an old school, but they don't want to work at a desk all day. They yeah. want flexibility to do what they want. And the author is interesting enough, and I've, I've learned this from my own experience, that when you pay for the experience in advance, like pay for your vacation, all that up front, you feel more satisfied than those who get stuck with the bill months after the fun has ended. Like you did all that, then the bill comes. As opposed to paying it up front. Yeah. And it just, it's, it's psychologically, it's like, oh my gosh, that was fun, but here's the bill for like 1500 bucks, right? So listen, McDonald's has been the master of this stuff, right? Because even though it sells things, it makes them special, like the McRib freaks, right? Like the fake pork thing. Oh my gosh, you know, they have all these McRib clubs because they come out at only certain times. It was the same thing with the darn Shamrock Shake. Like, I'm, I'm a big deal with that, right? Since I'm a kid, like, that was like my thing. And then they run out, oh, we got the Shamrock Shake again. And, I mean, they're, they're, pretty, um, they're pretty smart, so they get that. So, um, and also, when you buy time, and again, I got to read this. The latest study I just got about buying time is leads to happy money. In other words... There are some people who work in the garden and they do the lawn because it's therapeutic. There are some people who say it's a damn chore, and it, but I'm going to do it because, uh, you know, I want to save the 25 bucks. And most people, even if they are not wealthy and they're just, you know, they, but they have an extra $25, they did an experiment to show paying for something to get done, that a menial chore, and giving you more time is absolutely happy money. So, look, my girlfriend says, you know, you can fix the air conditioner. You could fix the faucet. You know, here's the YouTube thing. And I'm like, uh, not doing that, right? I'm not doing that. Not because I don't want to do it, but I, I first of all, I, I mess it up. But the point is, buying time. Maybe you're going to exercise more, right? going to do volunteer work you're going to do all these other things that link to happiness what do you think about that one to buy time i love that i mean i think the people are seeing that with the work-life balance and i think people are really starting to take that into account you know we talked about jobs earlier and it seems to be that people are there some people are disgruntled going back to the office and what's happening is that you know what we're seeing is that a lot of people are saying well they're trying to, managers are trying to increase productivity to justify coming back into the office, which is working people to the bone. And, you know, I think that's going to, that's going to be different with every organization, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I am, I have read several encounters where that's happened. I've talked to different people who are saying, man, this is, a, this is different. And so I think the one thing the pandemic has done is it's, it's made people realize they cherish that time so much more than I think we previously did. And I think that's a good thing. Everybody needs that, that work-life balance. Well, you know, just as even as baby boomers, we didn't believe in that. You, you worked, and that was your life. And yeah. these generations are like, no, I'm not doing that. And buying time and experiences 
Um, you know, we could talk about how much they save and their skill sets and all this other stuff. But the mentality, if you can combine it with good fiscal skills, can be more fulfilling. It's just like for, uh, in the book, they talk about, you know, immediate gratification versus delayed. And that's the one thing I always taught my daughter was delayed gratification, where you don't need to have everything right away. Or you build to something. You learn to love the grit and the steps it takes. You know, and we all do that. Lance, when he writes, you know, it's a process, right? It's the grit. It's, it's nice to see. Everybody wants the finished product. They want the nice car or they want a book. They want to write a book. They want to write a screenplay. They want to do, but they don't want to do all the stuff. It's nothing sexy about this stuff. Uh, it's toil. But if you love the process, so that is that I'm willing to put aside the gratification and find some gratification in the steps to get to the goal. And guess if the goal is not reached, I don't get the house. I don't get the car. I still or I don't sell the screenplay or the book or whatever. I still learned and enjoyed the grit and the steps. So people that can put money aside or pay themselves first, right? They're looking at that things this way, right? They're saving because they're delaying the gratification of saying, hey, I could take that money and do whatever I want with it, right? I mean, that would be a great lesson for a lot of people to learn. And it does make them happier in the long term to have the discipline. Well, I think that goes to the financial dependence and the, um, you know, how people feel and, you know, you when you when you accomplish something, we talk about how you know, a financial plan is not built or your your goal is not done overnight. You know, forever we saw these these commercials that said, "What's your number? What's your number?" And it was so big that it, it discouraged people from actually trying to attain it. And that's the thing with with like what you're saying. It is that delayed gratification, but it's it's actually checking off the milestones little by little throughout it. And I think that's a difficult thing for many people to do in this environment, in this age where everybody wants something, they want it now, um, and, and they feel like they're all, everybody's deserved it. You know, where I think that for, for a long time, we've had this mentality that, hey, you, you pull up your, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you get to work, you get going. And, you know, my, my mantra has always been, look, do the right thing, do it every time. And, you know, if, if you do that, you couple that with hard work and the, um, you know, and then obviously attaining new skills, I think you're going to set yourself up for success. And it just seems like, you know, in some areas, maybe that's that's gone away. It is. Uh, because everybody is used to that. Give it to me now, right? Give now. it to me now. Hey, we get back. We want to talk about uh, possible payroll tax hike and how what that means for you in the president's plan here on The Real Investor Show. Stay tuned for our last segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Declare your financial independence. Our next candid coffee can liberate you from the stale rules touted by mainstream financial media. Know the enemies of your wealth and fight them on your terms. We'll arm you with the information you need at our next candid coffee with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Saturday, July 24th. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Financial Independence Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show.
and welcome back. Last time before it went fast. Although the morning is since I woke up at 2 30. Not so fast. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Sleep. What happens? Can't sleep. How do you sleep, Danny, with your leg up? Like you Not very well. I got up at two this morning. Yeah, see? So. I heard Michelle's yeah, got a whole put uh... I heard I heard your next vacation is Niagara Falls with the wife. She's very anxious for you to get up close. Yes, yeah, they, they pushed me over. Uh, I can see that happening. In the barrel? Uh-huh. She was great. You know, it was, it was great for the first week. And then after that, she's kind of like, ah, yeah, fend for yourself. Figure it out. Which has been good. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, man. I don't know. No, I, I, I kid. She's been, she's been fantastic. Oh, she has. Kids have been great. I mean, I'm, I'm very blessed. That's for sure. Kids can't jump on daddy's lap because broken. Ah! Don't touch the leg. Um, man, you can't sit on the same couch as me right now. Oh, yeah. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It's all good. It's all, all right. good. I'm ready to get to PT and get, get to moving again. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we wish you well in Niagara Falls. Make sure Michelle brings back a, a T-shirt. I would ask you to bring it because I don't know if you're coming back. Um, Social Security and Medicare, right? People go, oh, my gosh, you know, the government. It's very important. You might as well embrace it. You paid into it. You might as well understand it. You might as well utilize it to your advantage. In a financial plan, it's very important. We're very Medicare and Social Security savvy. We study it quite a bit. Craig on our team is certified, but we all study it. Um, And we know, for the most part, Social Security is funded in Medicare through payroll tax. And the, there's always been a cap on taxed wages, on how much a Social Security tax comes out depending on the wage ceiling. The wage ceiling right now is 142800 Now, again, I'm not, you know, again, I, I'm okay with paying taxes if I know where the money's going. In other words, as a society, you need to have social safety net. You need to take care of people who are disabled and the veterans and all that. If you know or if you think at least the money is going where it goes, at least we know, I think, where payroll taxes go, how it's spent. Of course, everybody can argue with Medicare and waste and all that. But <clears throat> and I never understood the cap on payroll tax because everybody gets Social Security no matter what. Now, obviously, for a lower wage earner, it'll be a greater percentage of their retirement income versus someone who has accumulated quite a bit. But Danny, interestingly enough, even in those plans we run for people that we know are very well off in retirement, whether it's they have modest assets, but very modest expectations, whatever it may be, Social Security. Well, let's just put it this way. Let's take Social Security out of it. A guaranteed income stream outside of the variable assets really does help the plan tremendously regardless of retirement assets overall accumulated and saved through 401ks and other plans, right? So taxes are a way to do that. Now, the President Biden's plan is to say, okay, if you're earning above 400000 you're also going to pay the payroll tax. <clears throat> So the payroll tax, uh, so you got Social Security, Medicare taxes, 
uh, 6.2% plus 1.45%. Um, and obviously, um, at one, I make one, if you make one, you know, that was taxes up to 142,800 for social security only Medicare has got no income cap. And then all of a sudden nothing. And then president Biden says, well, at 400,000, it starts up again. And you got a wedge of people that make more, but not above 400,000 and are not going to pay that social security um, tax. So um, when you look at social security and we study the trust fund, right? How long is it viable through what? 2034. And then maybe you can pay roughly 80% of your benefits. Is that what it is now? Well, it was 2035. They haven't came out with the new numbers. I think they're afraid to with the pandemic and all the people out of work. Yeah. But you know, expectations are there's going to be substantially less. It'll be closer to 2030. But yes, you're correct. It was they they revised it to 2035 with a 20% reduction if nothing was done whatsoever. Um, I, I do think that some of these things will help. You know, and, and actually that $400,000 number is a much better number than what they'd initially rolled out. It was supposed to be like 300000 is is what they were initially discussing. So we'll see where it falls and what, what happens here. But yeah, this is something that does need to be addressed. And, and this is just one way they can do so. Yeah, and again, you only have maybe close to 2% of households that make 400000 So I still don't know how that right. really adds viability. I mean, it's better than nothing, but I don't know how it adds overall viability to the program when you probably going to have to really, based on our demographics, you're probably going to have to take this donut hole away or this space between 142,800 and 400. You're probably going to have to raise payroll taxes for everybody, especially with or an aging demographic. I, I can't imagine that you don't. So I don't understand why the proposal is Oh, you know, I don't know. First of all, I don't understand how the magical numbers get created. It was two hundred fifty thousand under Obama? It's four hundred thousand under Biden. I don't really know the back. You know, that's above my pay grade, or the wacky math they do to get there. But I, I still don't understand why there's this hole, <clears throat> because it's a pay-as-you-go system. Plus, we're not even considering what payroll growth is going to look like in the face of government programs, right? What is the growth in payroll growth? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> How many workers to support one worker? Right. I think it's like two for one. Right. Two workers are like uh, supporting one worker in Social Security. If you don't increase your demographic base, that's a big problem. So I don't see how they stop this payroll tax um, concern. You know, this this gap. I think they're going to have to probably raise the payroll tax. For everybody. And then again, this this is not a proposal, anybody. I'm just saying is the viability of the program, what you get out of it. Now, when we run analysis, <clears throat> we look at how do you maximize Social Security. We show people like it's a pension in a lump sum. This is what you're going to collect. Whether it's you, you and your spouse, and then people look at it sort of differently. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get two two million dollars worth of benefits, one point five million dollars worth of benefits. It's just can't, it's not paid to you in a lump sum. It's paid to you on a monthly basis. And people when they do break evens, they go, Well, I'm only, you know, I gotta live to age eighty three, eighty four if I take it at seventy or whatever it is, but you're not considering the life expectancy of your spouse, who's probably, if you're a male and your spouse is female, is going to outlive you. Uh, and if 
your spouse hasn't really paid in or maxed out Social Security and going to be dependent upon your benefit, then you have to look at it in a bigger light. You also have to look at Social Security in the light of returns on the market. If I'm getting great returns on the market and I got a great tailwind, the guaranteed income doesn't mean much to me. What if I don't? Oh, 16 to 1. Oh, in 1990, right? Oh, 1940. So 16 workers for one retiree. Now, woo, 1.6 to 1. Yeah, I figured it was 2 to 1. Now it's 1.6 to 1. So you have to, and that's why Lance always talks about it, and Mike, the fundamental demographic crisis, the baby dearth, and it's not just here. Everywhere. You need bodies to work, pay into the system, go through their life cycles to purchase items, especially houses, which is a huge percentage of GDP. Um, so there's got to be an incentive there. So my thought is payroll taxes, they have to probably take that ceiling off or increase it aggressively. I don't know where it goes next year. Uh, I haven't really, I looked, I haven't heard anything where the cap is on wages for next year. But I am going to estimate it's going to be pretty big uh, based on the fact that payroll growth has been where it is and because of the pandemic. So my thought is, I don't know where it goes, but I'm going to say, I'm going to make an educated or uneducated guess here that 142,800. Again, remember, you pay the payroll tax about Social Security up to that level of income. And then no matter how much more income you make, you do not pay more into Social Security. My thought is 175. 175,500. Hey, if the government can make up numbers, hmm. I can make up numbers. Um, but I you think it's going to be the same. The same thing they did, Rich. The Magic Eight Ball. Hold on, hold on. Magic you know, Eight Ball. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so what okay. So ask the Magic Eight Ball. One is one hundred and seventy-five thousand five hundred going to be the new wage cap threshold for Social Security? What does the ball say? Yes. See? Yes, definitely. This is how. Powell and Yellen make their interest rate decisions. I am, my magic eight ball has beat them every time. <laughs> we got to well, get Mike you know, a custom magic eight ball. I think the thing too down the road is going to be, it's going to be a lot easier for them to actually just take the cap away than probably increase the tax. Uh, because it's already a fairly hefty tax if you, you start calculating. Yeah. That and why am I going to fancy with this whole between and why am I not? Yeah. I don't understand it. So I think Magic 8-Ball says, we'll see if I'm right. If the Magic 8-Ball is right, it has always been right about the Fed and the government. Um, and it's smarter. It's got a bigger brain than all of them put together uh, with all that it liquid. It like six different answers you can, you can get. Yeah, and it's got all that little liquid in there. And I'm thinking Yellen's brain is as dry as a bone. Um, so, okay, tomorrow, financial fitness. Oh, financial independence tomorrow. Lance Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Loved you being here. Monday, Monday, Monday. Always Sunday. In the rich man's world. All the things I could tell. 
Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.